Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to my micro-series, Outdoor Voices, which is part of my Some Good Mavericks podcast. This is a short series in which I interrogate people who live and work outdoors about their feelings about nature and the city and their job and what it is that being outdoors does to them. I've always been very much an outdoors person and if I had to choose between the countryside and the city, which I'm very fortunate not to have to do, then I know for sure that I would live in the countryside. For me, there is no happier state than having dirt under my nails, mud on my knees, a penknife in my pocket or an axe in my hand with the dogs and my family. That is where I want to be. So I felt that it would be interesting to try to gather some voices of people who worked in the outdoors People who do unusual jobs or are slightly somehow marginalised by society, which does tend to be, inevitably of course, due to numbers, a very urban-centric society. Now, first up today, I want to talk to Xanthi, Xanthi Gladstone, my daughter, who, as she explains, tried for a time after leaving university to fit into life in the city and then retrained as an organic gardener and grower and chef and she was brought up very much outdoors by us by Caroline and I we moved to Glendye when our eldest son Jack was just about six months and our very deliberate the, the, the absolute deliberateness in that move was to bring up the children outdoors so I asked Santhi whether she's always enjoyed being outdoors and this is what she said I've always enjoyed being outdoors I think I spent most of my childhood outside, riding horses across fields and mountains, or just generally playing outside with the dogs, by, by ourselves, with my siblings. Um, and then I think I went through a phase when I was a teenager and then when I went to university and then afterwards where I felt like it wasn't an option to work outside. Um, and I think I felt like you had to go down the office job route until I really discovered that you didn't have to. Thanks very much, Xanthi. We'll come back to you in a moment. It's that funny thing about wanting to leave the countryside as a teenager and then coming back pretty soon, probably, as an adult. And I want to go back to Dave of the Whitlings because he says something very similar to Xanthi. I grew up in North Wales, so I've always been fairly near the coast and fairly near outdoor spaces. So it's something I probably taken for granted when I was younger and of course when you reach uh, you know teenage years you just want life um, so it was always getting the train into Chester Liverpool Manchester and then driving there as soon as we were old enough um, avoiding this kind of boring idea of no the North Wales coast which um, of course I've moved back there now so um, something changed along the way I think it was only after starting working that I really appreciated the outdoors as the contrast to being in a studio environment um, and also not being that far from places like Snowdonia and um, being able to go and explore the mountains. Um, so, yeah, I've always been really into cycling, mountain biking, walking, getting in the sea. And recently I've just started open water swimming, which I'm really enjoying. Next, I asked Santhi what the main joy of being outdoors is, and this was her answer. I have always enjoyed being outdoors. I grew up at Glendye, um, which is very rural and wild, and we spent most of our time outside. With my five siblings, we 
rode horses out on the mountain. We were kind of trusted to go out and do what we wanted as long as we were safe. Um, we played outside all day if we went on the horses, went on walks. We always had loads of dogs, chickens. Um, so yeah, we were, we were really in touch with, with the outdoors as a child. And I think that stemmed my interest and passion in it. Um, and then I went through a phase, a more kind of girly phase in my teens and when I was at university, which played into it, but I also felt a pressure to go and do an office job and be successful in the city and find my way through that. And I think after I had graduated from university, I took some time in London and realised it wasn't for me. And then I've come back to being outside, which, which is what I love and where I love. And I think that answer, Xanthi, is really interesting. Those who have listened to the rest of this series will perhaps remember what Mari, Mari Hughes, who is the warden on a remote island off Wales, said. What she said was very similar to what Xanthi said, and I'm just going to replay that again. For me, the best thing about working outdoors is uh, having to give up that kind of control that we seem to <laughs> crave in our lives. Um, living on an island, working outdoors, you just have to give in to, you know, bigger things like weather and daylight hours. You really have to get in tune with that. And um, I hope it's making me a more resilient person, but also a more relaxed person, perhaps, because um, you just have to go with you know, go with the floor, take every day as it comes. Now, back to Dave of the Whittlings again, who says something very similar to Mari and to Xanthi, and that is essentially that in the countryside you truly never know what's around the corner because nature is in control. A super interesting part of working outside and the wider picture of having access to woodland is that you don't quite know where it's going to go. You don't know what's next. You don't know what's around the corner in terms of what materials you have access to and the scale of what you can make. But also it's leading me to this idea that actually maybe I could have a workshop in the woodland one day and maybe somewhere I can set up and be able to work actually in the woods all day, every day and not need to work at home. And that's just the dream, you know, being able to make in the woods all the time. Next up, David says something fascinating about music. We often hear about the impact of the environment on people that make music. I mean, I'm thinking classically, I think in this context of something like Bon Iver's brilliant Forever, Forever Ago, which was recorded in his father's shack and has a deeply pastoral, rural, lonely, melancholy feel to it, which you can only feel has been massively inspired by the environment. But David says something that is almost the reverse of that. And that is the way that nature has an impact on what he listens to. So here, I think, is David talking very interestingly about music. Working outside has also massively changed my taste in music. It just makes no sense to be working outside listening to kind of grungy guitar music anymore. So I'm always looking for some music now that's got enough space in it to let the birdsong through. 
So I'm really into sort of contemporary singer-songwriters and contemporary folk music, um, just because there's space in there to, to blend the music in with the woodland. I do wonder what it'd be like to do what I do now, but living in a city. The idea that you could find one of those big converted warehouses that is full of makers and artists, you know, all with their own little spaces, and um, to be part of that kind of community, that's really appealing in a way. I mean, I love what I do, but the, the social side for me is evenings and weekends, not my job. That idea of the, the modern kind of spaces there are in cities now is, is intriguing. Next up, back to Xanthi. Now, one of the questions that Xanthi gets asked all the time, and I know for a fact from um, other friends who are involved as professional growers, that this is one of the most often asked questions, and that is, how do you start to grow veg? And this is Xanthi talking on this and her interest in food. I think until I've always, I've been interested in food and food sustainability for a few years. Um, and I thought, I always thought it was out of my capability to be able to actually grow my own vegetables until I took over the wall garden and I actually started, I read, I watched hundreds of YouTube videos, I read articles, I talked to people who had more experience in growing and I think the biggest piece of advice was just go and do it um, because you can read and watch YouTube and as to your heart's content but unless you actually start um, and I think, so I, I wrote in um, the Some Good Ideas article that I wrote that, and I think I said in your last podcast that I, the first time I saw my radish had sprouted, I cried. <laughs> it's very surreal because we, as a society, see the f finished product on a shelf. You don't see that, you don't experience that growth. You see the end product and you can't believe that it actually came from a seed. And then you think every vegetable has come from a seed and how much effort went into grow every single vegetable that we eat, that every fruit that we eat, every food that is produced has to have got there. So I think I've had a kind of a huge respect for anyone who produces food ever since I started growing my own. I love the sun um, because, yeah, I mean, you, you're warm, you can be outside you can get a bit of sun on your skin, which we don't get much of in the winter. Um, I think I love the rain from a gardener's perspective as opposed to a personal perspective because rain obviously makes food grow. Um, but I think there's nothing nicer than spending a day in the sun with your shoes off in the garden. It's, it's really hard to let go. I grow organically, as you know. Um, and you obviously come up, you come with, lo it comes with loads of hurdles. So you don't see that when you see those beautiful abundant gardens and you also don't take into account the fact that you can have two days of wind which I did recently in Wales and it can almost destroy half of your garden so I think it's I've always I've always had an understanding of how unreliable the weather is in terms of we're not going to have this blasting heat from May to August we're going to have four weeks of torrential rain and wind so I think Playing to that and, and learning to ride the wave is a really important part of gardening. Thanks very much indeed, Xanthi. Now, Murdo in episode five talked about our respect for nature and, and how that is imperative. And here, interestingly, is David talking about respect for nature. 
the understanding of what's around you is really appealing um, and really appealing part of being outside. I really respect farmers and their sort of deep knowledge of the environment they live in. Just sat where I am in the woodland, I can look around and so many resources that maybe even 10 years ago I knew very little about. Within about 10 metres of me, there's a silver birch, um, kind of like my friend in the tree species. Um, there's the sap, the uh, leaves, which are really good in tea, the bark for starting fires, and the woods are super forgiving, easy carving wood. Next to it, there's a holly. Holly's a really dense, amazing carving wood. Right in front of me, sycamore. Sycamore's a lovely wood to work with. If you dry it quickly, it keeps that pale sort of bone colour. And it's a really kind of sculptural wood to work with because there's not very much grain. Um, on the ground, there's a wild edible um, fungi that's edible. There's um, wood sorrel on the ground. You can see uh, an egg that's been opened from a blackbird by the look of it. There's some coniferous trees here. I don't know what they are, some sort of pines. They're underneath the top of the canopy, um, there's a lots of dead branches that um, are starved of light now. And all year round, they're really good for starting fires um, to stay dry. There's a small stream here, and the source of it, just at the top of the hill, just comes out from the earth. So there's no, there's no grazing on um, the source of the stream. So the water's relatively safe. Um, a quick filter or boil and that's um, good to drink. Another tree here is uh, wild cherry, which is one of my favourite woods to carve. Um, gorgeous grain colour and really lovely um, consistent wood to carve with. This woodland's quite steep sided so the trees grow really fast and really high um, trying to get up to the light. Um, there's an awful lot of self-seeded rowan, uh, mountain ash here, um, which is really good wood um, for it shoots up really fast, really high, and is superb for making holes for making um, poles for constructing sort of simple lean-to buildings and things like that. And finally, we go back to Angus and Lily of the Bridge Lodge. I have worked with them on and off now for I suppose four or five years. They're a very young, incredibly enterprising and energised couple. They have their book. They have their supper clubs. They are food producers, and now they have an exhibition coming, which you should have a look at. So here, as a sort of ending to this micro-series, is Lily talking about her exhibition. So the next thing we're doing under the RRS project um, is an exhibition with Oriel Davis in Newtown in Mid Wales, which is going to bring together elements of the RRs project and bring them to life a bit more and bring it to a, a wider audience. Um, and the main focus of the exhibition is going to be the people that we've included from the book. Um, and it's going to be showcasing my printmaking and Angus's poetry and photographs. Um, and the photographs that he has taken are the ones that he took while we were visiting all the 30 rural lives for the book um, and we're also going to be including a group of artists we've selected who are based all around um, the countryside in the UK. Well thank you very much indeed to all of my contributors. This has been a fascinating series for me to make. I do hope you've enjoyed it. 
It's been a difficult thing for my friend Jim Friend to edit, and I'm very grateful to him for his calm, patient perseverance in the face of endless notes from me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's lots of thank yous. I'll be back with a new series soon. I do hope you've enjoyed this. I am seriously grateful to you for joining me. If you know how to rate and review podcasts on Apple Podcasts, it would be great if you could do it. Well, provided you like it, that is. Don't if you don't like it. I don't want to see that. But thank you very much um, if you have a chance to or if you've done it already. I don't really seem to know how to do it. It's not very easy. And finally, I should say this is only sponsored by my own businesses. But do please come and join us if you enjoy the countryside at the Good Life Experience or indeed at Glendike Cabins and Cottages. And do read about endless ideas on nature and the environment on our website, Some Good Ideas. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.